Okay, it is time right now for the one, the only, world famous, 112 countries are in listenership right now to this man's silver-throated tones. Here he is, Dr. History. Good morning. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, let me just say, brought to you by Minicasha Sales at 1321 East Main in Burley. Zach was going to try to be with us this morning, and it uh, didn't work out, but we are going to get him on the program hopefully next week. Sounds good. What are you going to bless us with today? Well, we're going to talk. Can you turn that microphone up just a little we're bit? We're going to talk about a good friend of ours named uh-huh. George Armstrong Custer. Now, when you say good friend, <laughs> let's qualify that because I honestly think he was an egotistical maniac we're, and not the brightest bulb in the fixture. We're going to get into this, okay? okay? We're not going to talk about the battle of the oh. Little Bighorn. We're going that's uh, for another day. So this is going to be General Custer the man. We're going to talk about hmm. him, okay? So here's the questions I'm going to pose. Was General George Armstrong Custer as flamboyant, arrogant, and one-dimensional as history has portrayed? Was Custer the Civil War hero and Plains cavalryman a defender of the Indians? So, question, was there another side to Custer that we sometimes neglect? So, you're just going to have to make your decision based on what we're going to talk well, about. Well, paint that picture. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. So we know General George Armstrong Custer loved the limelight. He was also a man of apparent contradictions. He was generous to a fault on one occasion, yet petty on another. Uh, driven to seek wealth, he actually tried some get-rich-quick quick schemes that, that never... want to try that again. <laughs> Get-rich-quick. That's better. <laughs> ...that didn't work out. <laughs> he would actually cry openly over the loss of a favorite dog. Cry? Yeah, or over a sad play, or he could laugh uncontrollably over something that just struck him funny. Now, uh, and here we go, he could kill a man without a second's regret, but was willing to risk his life to save a stray animal. Hmm. Now... At times, the general could be as just a pompous individual. Remember, this is a family show. <laughs> That's why I said pompous individual. As modern as a, you know, just like a modern day rock star, he was especially vain about his clothing and his appearance. Really, even, he was that fussy. Oh yeah, even in the battlefield, he dressed uh, spectacular. So didn't but, do him much good, did it? It did, but you know, it appears that. Uh, that he was either loved or hated by his men and his superiors. Right. He was one or the other. And, in fact, General Ulysses S. Grant referred to him as a strutting peacock. Okay. So picture that. Uh-huh. Anyway, I have. Okay. So no one, however, not even his harshest critics, questioned his valor on the field or the things he did during the Civil War. Uh, they, the press, newspapers called him the boy general. The boy general. You've heard that. Yeah. But uh, not the brightest guy in his class. He graduated last. Oh, really? In his class Out at West Point. Out of how many thousand? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in battle, he earned a reputation for being a gallant, if not reckless, warrior. Uh-huh. He was also known as a, a, a zealous Indian fighter and also a shameless self-promoter. I see. So, but what many don't know... Are you know, talking about Obama, or are you talking... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what many don't know is that George Armstrong Custer, the Civil War hero, 
Indian fighter had a great respect for the Native American Indians, oh. especially the Plains Indians. It didn't come across that way. No. And he was he was actually their outspoken defender. He actually defended them. You're kidding me. No. But um, courageously, he put his rising military career in a serious jeopardy when he exposed the rampant corruption so prevalent in both Washington and on the frontier. Uh, in the 1870s, uh, defending the Indians publicly, especially as an army officer, that was not a good thing to do. That was mm, not very wise. Kind of job Shoot, suicide. Yeah, shooting yourself in the foot, so to speak. Yeah. But anyway, he violated the unwritten code of the U.S. Army officer by speaking against his military and political leaders, especially the President of the United States. Was this over things like maybe treaties that were yes. disregarded and that type of thing? Yes. I see. Uh, in fact, uh, he was relieved of his command over this. Really? Of what he was saying. So, uh, as out of character as it might seem for a man known as an Indian fighter, George Armstrong Custer, and he actually had a nickname, Audie. Had you ever heard that? You know... I think it was a movie, and help me, because you're old like I am, but there was a movie, what was the actor, years and years back in the 30s and 40s, that portrayed General Custer, and he was of British descent, and he had a little thin uh, mustache, What was? and they called him Audie in uh, that movie. Okay, you yeah. know, I don't, but that's a nickname that I was yeah. not familiar with. Yeah. But actually, he had a soft spot for the Indians. Really? His admiration certainly didn't keep him from making war, nor on occasion from wiping out a settlement or two that got in his way. But he had an appreciation of and a fascination for Indians, and he actually admired their way of life. Really? And he viewed the Native Americans as romantic, noble savages. And That's kind of an oxymoron, yeah, isn't it? it is. And yeah. This might be a good time to take a break, and then we'll get on with oh, the rest of it. Oh, I will jump right in. Do not forget Minicasha Sales at 1321 East Main Street in Burley. Zach Attack. Zach's over there to serve you along with all the crew at Minicasha Sales. All your lumber. Are you pretty good at building things? Not bad. Not I, bad. I can you get can. along, yeah. So if you buy a board and a nail, you know what to do with it. I know it. what to do. Oh, okay. And they've got all your lumber packages, and can you put a roof on? With baling twine and duct tape. No, no. I'm talking <laughs> about really good shingles, either metal or asphalt. You can do that, right? Sure. Okay. And, of course, all the western windows, they've got it all for you over at Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley. I hope Zach can make it here next week. We've got to get him on the program because they sponsor Dr. History. And now, with more about General George Custer, here's Dr. History. All right. He actually felt that war was a glorious adventure. Oh, really? He loved it. Hmm. On one occasion, he told another officer, he said that he could easily be an Indian, and he meant it. Uh, he said that if he were an Indian, he'd be with the free-roaming tribes, fighting to the death before submitting to a reservation. You're kidding. That's how I he... I didn't know that. Yeah. But he was understandably... He should have wore feathers on his bad day. <laughs> that might have helped. But uh, he was also appalled by the way the Indians were treated on reservations yeah. or contained Indians, if you want to call it that, uh, who no longer followed the game herds and they were at the mercy of these dishonest Indian agents. There were a lot of them. Yeah, and dishonest uh, government officials. Uh, the government handouts to the rever reservations were often uh, the food was bad. Most 
moldy, rotten food, yeah. Yeah. and the corrupt agents who basically got rich by selling uh, this to the, on the black market, so to speak. But he was also aware of how government officials had broken their word, and we've talked about that time and time again on treaties. Now, you're not talking about Obama's. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> but he felt that if the government was going to keep tribes on reservations, it needed a fair, consistent policy for better treatment, and, this is the kicker, honest men to oversee it. Hmm. That was the difficulty. Okay. So Custer, like his superiors, Generals Sheridan and Sherman, argued that the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which was currently under the Department Department of the Interior should be referred to the War Department. Uh, the soldiers were only too aware that Indian Affairs were it was kind of a slippery and a corrupt thing that was going on and yeah. causing more problems than it solved. I'll be done. So if Indian Affairs were under the War Department, which according to him was far less corrupt, a little more honest, really, uh, that the problems would be contained and taken care of better. So. But Why didn't the Army jump in and say, that's it, adios? You know, I, I guess because of the hierarchy, the chain of command, they, they were probably kind of bound they couldn't do that. Or so, was he kind of a pawn? That's a good question. That's a good question. But, you know, you, think about it. You know, if you're a starving Indian, you're more likely to break loose from the reservation and cause problems. Absolutely. And who would blame uh, warriors for trying to feed their families? Absolutely. Uh, the Army knew that this was what was going on, and they knew what was best for the Indians to keep them fed and taken care of. Well, in the summer of 1875-1876, George and his wife Elizabeth, they called her Libby Custer, uh, spent four months vacationing in the East. They visited friends, they ate fancy dinners, attended parties, and they went to the theater. Now, George was somewhat of a celebrity, uh, a status that he totally enjoyed. Oh, Just I'll bet he did. loved this. Turn this the lights on, here's George. Yes. Now, his military activities, as well as his books, he actually wrote some books, and adventure articles helped keep him in the public eye. Didn't do the bad job for being the dumbest one no, in the class. He knew, he knew how to, yeah. <laughs> but at one point, he and his wife entertained an offer to actually go on the lecture circuit for $250 a presentation. Now, that's pretty good back in those days. Yeah, 250 and and you're right, this was a, a lot of money, uh, but uh, they turned it down. Really? They, yeah, they, that wasn't his thing. He, like I say, he he really was a, a true warrior, uh, you know. Huh. But anyway, on their trips to the east, Custer and his wife were careful to make connections. What was her name? Libby. Libby. L Libby. 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 Yeah, Elizabeth. Uh, but they made connections with important Democrats. And Custer secretly hoped See, that... See, that was their downfall. <laughs> well, wait, get this. He, he uh, hoped that he might be drafted as a candidate for the fall presidential election. I told you they joined with Obama. I told you that. He wanted to be president. Uh, so anyway, that's why the, his notoriety from his summer campaigns was so important to him. He wanted yeah, to okay. make a big impression. All right. So at the least, uh, if President Grant was defeated, he could expect to be made a like a brigadier general under a new president. Yeah. Uh, and it was no secret that he was a confirmed Democrat with political aspirations. Mm -hmm. And as an expert on Indian affairs, specifically Indian and reservation policy, Indian agents and traders, and the consequences of the government corruption, he would have been a good advocate. He really would have really? been. Yeah. So, in fact... Uh, because of some of his controversial things, he actually came before the Committee on Indian Affairs. 
Now, Custer did more than answer questions. He elaborated in great detail. A good portion of his testimony was firsthand observations of the bad things that he had experienced after 10 years on the planes. And he was blunt. He was direct. He, he didn't mess around. Uh, other parts of his testimony were pretty bad. He, he didn't fail to mention names. Now, yeah. this may have been a downfall because oh, he implicated Orville Grant, the president's brother, whom he said shared in the corrupt profits at the expense of the Indians. People have a tendency to get teed off. Yeah. And uh, anyway, that that's kind of the scene we're looking at right now. Oh, the boy. politically wanting to get ahead, but yet kind of... Uh, not in a good situation. But anyway, the political fallout for President Grant was immense. Uh, he w- Grant, President Grant was absolutely livid. He was so mad uh, that one of his officers would say things like this, mm-hmm. even though they were true. Yeah. So Custer left Washington for his regiment, was called back. Grant couldn't erase the testimony that he said, but he could relieve him of his command. Ah. So... Here's a shattered Custer. Uh, he tried and tried to meet with the president, but he would not see him. Okay, so is he a general at this point? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So General Custer appealed to his superiors, uh, General Sherman and Sheridan. Uh, cause they, they didn't like him either. Well, maybe a little better. I see. N- not too bad. But uh, anyway, he appealed to them because uh, they were close friends of the president, of President see. Grant. I see. So anyway, he wrote a note to the president, uh, Custer did, and he said, I appeal to you as a soldier to spare me the humiliation of seeing my regiment march to meet the enemy and I not share its dangers. Yeah, but well, no, wait a minute. Uh, the president owed him absolutely no favors. No. Absolutely not, especially what he'd said, you know. Yeah. Well, finally, uh, President Grant actually did reinstate him as he a general. Did. Yeah. Because he might have thought that was a good way to get rid of him. You know, that could have been behind the scenes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. Send him to Montana. Yeah. So his, his activities would be somewhat limited. Now, he did aspire to political office uh, or at least military advancement, but it would be wrong to think that he acted out of purely political motives. Yeah. And, and you can see by what I'm saying that he, he did have some good motives behind what he did. But the general didn't think things uh, through very carefully. And in, uh, we noticed that. Yeah, and in the recent Civil War, he led a number of dangerous charges against the enemy. He had at least 11 horses shot out from under him. Did he ever get shot and wounded? I don't believe so. No, but he when he saw an enemy, he charged. And yeah. as we know, he didn't plan. But he was always at the front. So you got to say this guy was... Stupid. Uh, he, courageous, stupid, <laughs> I don't know. But he was always in the lead, you yeah. know, bullets whizzing around his head, yeah. reckless, determined, and he did what he thought was true, and he never looked back. So really? I got to hand it to him in that respect. Up to know? a point. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he a, did endanger all others. those lives. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, you know, we sit here right now, and it's easy to pass judgment uh, after mo- after most of the facts are in. But, uh, you know, Custer bashing, if you want to call it that. But, you know, we've got to give him a little leeway here. But he was no more or no less than a fancy, well-dressed lightning rod. Really? (laughs) President Grant, General Sherman, General Sheridan uh, really were more guilty than he was regarding how they treated the Indians. I got a question there, though, Doc, and we got about six minutes left. What about the Indians' attitude towards Custer? Uh, You made it sound earlier like there was a respect for him on what he was trying to do for them, but yet, boy, they wiped him out. Yeah, and 
as you know, there's so many different tribes, and I, yeah. I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing that there were probably some tribes and some Indians that did respect him and knew that he was a man of his word. And I'm, I'm just guessing on that. So, mm. But the fact, again, that the army was going to go either wipe him out or put him on a reservation led to the little bighorn. Yeah. So, But George Armstrong Custer is a symbol, and yes, he was a glory hound. He participated in some pretty brutal campaigns. But nevertheless, we need to keep in mind that he was a soldier following orders from superior officers. Yeah. And he was no more or less brutal or bloody with the Indians than any number of his other commanding officers uh, that history has kind of chosen to lay at rest. In other words, he's the one that stands out, but there were other guys that did a lot more bad things, if you want to say, to the Indians than Custer ever did. Well, yeah, but the caveat there, though, is, in my estimation, he defied orders and defied logic and was basically in the battle at the Little Bighorn for only his own glory. Pretty much, yeah. 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 But, you know, unlike many of his associates, he did advocate humane and fair treatment for his, quote, enemy after they were brought into submission. Really? He really wanted to take care of the the, the Indians. And I... It's like we take care of you every time you show up Every time I come out here. Yeah. You give me some water. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, we take comfort in blaming Custer for the nation's treatment of Native Indians, Native Americans. He paid a heavy price for those sins, of course, at the Little Bighorn. But more correctly, uh, he uh, rested with decades of carelessly designed Indian policies that changed every time the political arena changed. Really? It would go back and forth. You would have, you know, some political people that wanted to be fair, and then the next time you'd have people that didn't want to be fair. Are you insinuating, and I think you are, and I agree with you, that if there would have been more Custers going against the establishment, i.e. the government, maybe the Indian problems wouldn't have been as big as they were? I'm suggesting that. I see. I I don't know, but that's my thoughts. But, you know, uh, the government, uh, they subscribed to the idea that all men were created equal, but they debated whether or not the Indians had souls yeah. over even human and and you you know history points that out that, yeah. you know they some shameful people, really yeah it really is but you know for 75 years after his death the general was looked upon as some sort of a holy frontier martyr uh, the public put him on a pedestal uh, even Teddy Roosevelt called him an example for young children everywhere uh, nowadays, he's come to kind of represent all that was wrong with the Western movement. And this, of course, is as wrong as making him an idol either. But there is the caliber of our culture today. I mean, everything has to be lockstep with the PC liberal left. And I, I, I'm glad you're bringing this stuff out. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess in conclusion, you know, it's time to take the general out, dust him off and put him in his rightful place. George Armstrong Custer wasn't a saint. But he wasn't the devil. You know, either. let me ask you a question right here. And I know this is completely off of the isolated subject of uh, General George Armstrong Custer. But what are your thoughts personally? And, and don't be politically correct about uh, the PC mobs in this country. They want to take down the statues of General Robert E. Lee. They want to take down the remembrances of Stonewall Jackson and all those. I think that's wrong. That's a part of our history. You know, being a history I don't call myself an expert, but uh, to me, we need to preserve the, the things of the past and remember 
the things of the past, the, the successes and the failures. If we don't, uh, I heard it put this way, we learn from history, though we sometimes don't learn from history. And so we need to look at the past and see the things that that uh, were successful, the things that were not. And But uh, that was a time in our nation's history. How dare we, 150 years later, criticize their thoughts, their beliefs, their goals, and what they wanted this country to achieve? I think that's absolutely ludicrous that we would try to whitewash it. And again, General Custer. You know, I, yeah. uh, I would love to have been around him somewhat not just, on the last day not on the last day nope. but but to just to, to pick his brain a little bit and just from what i'm reading about him you know he was definitely a good guy in some respects uh but he had the you know the political aspirations and uh like I say i i don't think we need to paint him as a, a devil but not as a saint yeah uh, he was a man that made mistakes he did and we all and do you look we at, all do look at the military throughout history yeah. there's been mistakes made militarily and a lot of um, illegalities yeah yeah but you know i read a lot about world war ii and the brave brave men absolutely. the things that they did yeah, I, absolutely they, they were the greatest generation and you know we proved that by having our dear friend russell smith three times purple heart recipient on this program yeah. many many times yeah. you know that was a very interesting dissertation thank you